You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today I primarily want to focus on, uh, you know, PFF Day. It's what we do here. And I'll say this. I I think, for the most part, my perception of things is warranted. And again, everything stands the same. If, If you want to tank for a quarterback, then this isn't going to be comforting. If your perception largely is, yeah, but it's the Rams and they suck, fair enough, not going to be comforting. But again, was this a team that maybe for the first time this season showed up with a little bit of passion and actually looked like a pretty good football team that actually had all the components, regardless of what you think the problems are? If you don't like play calling, you probably like the play calling in this game. If you don't like Jordan Love, you at least probably think he did a better job in this game than in some of the others. If you don't like the wide receivers, you maybe like them a little more. Offensive line, definitely better. If you're not a big fan of the defense, regardless of how bad that quarterback is, you have to be impressed with their performance. And again, I think BFF largely backed that up. It wasn't just kind of a fluke, you know, because sometimes you win a game and you go look at the grades and it's like, oh, you had like one guy that was good, everybody else sucked. Because it wasn't as much impressive as it was the other team just sucked more. But really, this was a solid performance kind of across the board. You had a lot of good and almost no bad, and that's offense and defense. So it might be a fluke. It might be a one-time thing. I don't know. But the bottom line is the team showed up at home, put on a show. Wasn't perfect, but it was it was a football team. So big round of applause. Um, why don't we start with special teams again? Because again, that's what people are least interested in. There are only two guys with uh, bad grades. That would be Innis Gaines and Kingsley and Igbari. And I know Kingsley and Igbari had a penalty, which obviously is going to um, hurt his grade. On the positive side, though, there were quite a few. I mean, depending on where you want to put the cutoff, if we just say 70 or above, I'll round up and say Zane Anderson had a 70, Isaiah McDuffie, 72, Eric Wilson, 72, Josiah DeGuara, 73, Ben Sims, 77. Tucker Craft with an 82, and Dallin Levitt with an 85. The other thing I love about this, do you remember last week? Let me go back last week just to make sure I'm not lying here. One of the problems I had with last week was not only did we only have two guys that graded out well, A.J. Dillon and Carl Brooks, but we had um, five that graded out terribly, Keyshawn Nixon, Anthony Johnson, Dallin Levitt, Eric Wilson, and Jonathan Owens. Remember what I said about that? The two guys that graded out well are not special teamers. That is to say, this is not going to be a regular thing. So there's, it's like it's a one-off. And the negative is everybody that was bad is a special teamer. Keyshawn Nixon is a core special teamer. Dallin Levitt is a core special teamer. Eric Wilson and Jonathan Owens are special teamers. Anthony Johnson, I mean, up until the other, up until Sunday, not that he was brought in to be a special teamer, but up until then, that's pretty much what his role was. These are special teamers that were bad and just kind of one-off, fluky. You know, A.J. Dillon had five special team snaps and graded out well. Congratulations. This week, the only two that were bad were Innis Gaines, who just got on the field for the first time all year. So we can call him Rusty or just say we don't care, I guess. And Kingsley and Igbari, which I'm not going to say he's not a core special teamer because from his snap counts, he's up, he's, you know, relatively high, but whatever. But then again, you get Zane Anderson, 
presumably a special teamer. I don't know what else his role would be. Isaiah McDuffie, core special teamer. Eric Wilson, core, core special teamer. Josiah DeGuara, I mean, basically a core. I mean, I know he's a, a big part of the offense too, but I think he has the second highest special team snaps. He is a core special teamer. Dallin Levitt, special teamer. Tucker Craft is a special teams guy. So the guys who you expect to be our special teams, our core special teams guys showed up. I love that. All right, we'll kick it right over to the offensive side of things. There were two guys that graded out poorly. Just two, depending on where you put the cutoff. I've been doing about below a 55. There were just two. John Runyon and Malik Heath. Malik Heath only played seven snaps and had a drop. I I honestly don't care. If you told me today Malik Heath will never be a good uh, offensive piece of of your team, I'm not going to break down and cry in the middle of my living room. I'll survive that. John Runyon, though, I almost feel like John Runyon should be getting Josh Myers a really nice Christmas gift, because if anybody should be under the microscope, it's probably John Runyon. (laughs) But everybody hates Josh Myers so much that nobody notices that John Runyon maybe is a bigger issue uh, recently. The guy who was a decent run blocker, you know, subpar, 55, and a really good pass blocker, has a 63 pass blocking grade and a 49 run blocking grade on the season. He has only had three games of a 70 or higher, only two in the last five, and three out of the last five have been in two of them, two of the last five in the 40s, and one of them in the 20s, which was this week. We'll go over the specific grades and whatnot, but this this was one of his worst pass blocking performances ever. So his run blocking is way down. His pass blocking is way down. This is definitely the worst he's ever been in his three years starting for the Green Bay Packers. Now, Myers has been a little bit suspect, but he's still got a 70 pass blocking grade and a 50 run blocking grade. It's not great. It's not elite, but it's it's not terrible. And it's not as bad as John Runyon. Just saying. Um, on the positive side of things, and I'm just, I'm just going to kind of round a little bit heavy because it's about half the team. You could put, you know, about 10 out of 20, which would be exactly half the team, half the offense, with good grades. Zach Tom, 68. Luke Musgrave, 68. Elton Jenkins, 69. Romeo Dobbs, 70. A.J. Dillon, 72. Yash Nyman, 75. Dontavian Wicks, 75. Rashid Walker, 77. Jordan Love, 83. And Emmanuel Wilson, 91. We'll get into the specifics of all that, but that's awesome. Then you've got, you know, average performances from, you know, uh, Sean Ryan, 66. He played 15 snaps. I didn't even realize that. Had actually a really good game. Um, I hate the overall grades for offensive linemen because you can be great at pass blocking and mediocre at run blocker, and they will say you are mediocre. I mean, literally, he had a 76 pass blocking grade and a 64 run blocking grade. They give him a 66. Granted, he was out there run blocking more than anything else. But just in general, they always do that and it annoys the crap out of me. Anyways, um, Tucker Craft, 64. Josh Myers, 64. Josiah DeGuara, 64. Christian Watson, 63. Ben Sims, 61. The only guys that are sub-50, aside from the ones that we mentioned, Jaden Reed, he's right at a 60, 59.7. And the third lowest graded player is actually Aaron Jones. So it's kind of important we stick that in our back pocket because, you know, I don't want to hammer Aaron Jones too much, but I feel like there's becoming a pattern where it's like, I'm pretty sure last week I had made the comment about we're all screaming for Aaron Jones and he's the hero and he's the savior. And then guess who had one of the drops? Guess who's been making mistakes? And then in this game, again, 
Aaron Jones is going to fix everything. Aaron Jones is amazing. He was the third lowest graded player. He had a fumble that got recovered by the other team. For a team that is rebuilding, Aaron Jones is having not even cl- his his lowest graded year was 2020. He had a 75.6 grade. That was his lowest ever. He's always, he's been in the 80s basically every other year of his career. He's at a 62.7 right now. Last year he had a 90.7 rushing grade. He has a 66.4 run grade right now. So again, he is going to be thir- uh, 29 years old very soon. Uh, he has a relatively high price tag. He has an injury history, especially, you know, including very recently this year. And honestly, as much as he's a good dude and he's fun to watch rushing, it's the production isn't like unbelievable. Just something to keep in mind as we continue on. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's look at Jordan Love. By far his best game of the year. I think I'd mentioned yesterday, if I had to guess, his grade would be about a 72. His passing grade was a 76. So it was higher than I thought, but again, I thought this was his best performance and figured he'd probably have his first game in the 70s this year. His overall grade was in the 80s, thanks to his rushing grade, which was an 80. But honestly, for me, the most important part, as much as, I mean, he gets full credit for the 83, it's the 76 passing grade that's important. But um, 77% uh, completion percentage, that goes up to an 87.5% completion percentage when you add in the, uh, the one drop and the one throwaway. I think are the only two things in there. Um, he did have zero big time throws, but he also had zero turnover worthy plays. His time to throw was 2.9 seconds, which is a little higher than normal and probably a little higher than you'd like it to be. Probably contributed to the little the extra pressure and sacks and whatnot, but still uh, 115.5 passer rating. Um, if you look at him under pressure, he had a 76 passing grade while kept clean and a 66 uh, with no pressure. That's basically all we've been asking for now, you know, the the top of the top quarterbacks are probably a little bit higher as far as being, you know, their grade when they're kept clean. They're also under pressure a lot more. Again, his pressure rate was 22%, which is unbelievably low. You know, like the like I said, standard to be probably like closer to 35, 40%. He's been hovering in the low 20s almost all year, aside from that little minor patch where we thought it was the worst offensive line in history because we're Packer fans and we don't know what anything other than elite offensive line play looks like. But just seven of his 31 dropbacks and three of his 26 attempts uh, where he threw the ball were when he was under pressure. As far as deep passing, it wasn't fantastic. Again, 20 plus yards as far as the grades go. It's not uncommon to see 95, 99, whatever. But a 76 grade, which is solid. He was uh, two of three for 62 yards. On the intermediate passes, 10 to 19, he was 4 of 5. This is the area where he has not been able to get anything done. He had a 91.4 grade on passes between 10 and 19 yards. So he was, what, 6 of 8, 10 or further down yards down the field. Again, it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of head scratchers and what the heck are you doing throws. But you give me 6 of 8 on 10 or further down the field passes, we're probably going to be all right. Again, my biggest gripe was, and you could hear it in the calls that came in, people that called in in the first half were done with Jordan Love, right? It was just, it, it wasn't there. So my biggest complaint at this point, I mean, the, the other ones still are, but we'll put him on pause because he checked the boxes at least for a week. The biggest remaining issue is we got to see something in the first freaking half. <laughs> Again, we cannot start to pick it up mid-third quarter. That's never going to work. But um, big round of applause for Jordan Love. The last two weeks have been his highest graded with this one being the highest. So, I mean, if he can just keep this up, 
then I, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see it on a on a game to game, play to play basis. You know, what are the areas where he's struggling, and what are the areas that he's kind of seemingly turned the corner. But if you can stay consistently in the 70s and 80s and whatnot throughout the rest of the season, first of all, we're probably not drafting high enough to get a quarterback, but also I just don't think we're going to. We've invested a lot in Jordan Love, and even if you're thinking to yourself as the GM, he's probably not the guy. I don't know that you go for broke to replace him when he really turned it on the second half of the season. So it's a wait and see thing. Again, Rams are a bad football team. Still question marks, but again, if nothing else, we'll just push pause on that for for a week and see how next week goes. Looking at receiving grades, um, basically four were graded as good. Aaron Jones, 79. Luke Musgrave, 72. Dentavian Wicks, 71. Romeo Dobbs, 70. The only bad grade being Malik Heath. And then looking at yards per route run, the guys that are two yards or higher, Luke Musgrave, 2.04. And Dentavian Wicks, 3.27 yards per route run. Wicks right now has a 67.8 overall grade, 65.5 receiving grade. But since week five, he's been pretty close to a 70 almost every single week. His, his two kind of bad games were week one and week four. So starting to see a little bit better. And then the last two weeks, um, they've given him a lot more opportunity. Granted, he's kind of had a lot of opportunities all year. It just really dipped in week five and week seven, but it's kind of gotten back. So we'll see. It's fun watching uh, watching him develop. Rushing grades, Emmanuel Wilson, uh, you know, only four attempts on his seven snaps, but an 87.2 grade. He had 43 yards for 10.8 yards per attempt, longest carry being 31 yards. Jordan Love had the second highest rushing grade with an 80 grade, three attempts for seven yards. Honestly, not sure <laughs> why he got so that includes a fumble. He did have one scramble for um, for eight yards, but whatever, 80 grade, I guess. A.J. Dillon had a 72.1. Nine carries, 40 yards, 4.4 yards per attempt. He had the highest yards uh, per carry after contact, 3.33 yards after contact. Did have one carry over 10 yards. That went for 12. Jaden Reed was the next highest with a 63.1 grade. He had his one carry for 21 yards. And then Aaron Jones had a 47.9 rushing grade, 21 attempts, 65 yards, 3.1 yards per attempt, 2.19 yards after contact. He did... Uh, have the only two missed tackles forced. So forced missed tackles uh, for the team. But he also had more attempts than everybody else combined. And then finally, the offensive line uh, left tackle. We saw Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman. And honestly, they were both fantastic. Um, we saw Yash Nyman start the game. He had a 71 pass blocking grade and a 74 run blocking grade. You would assume you can't do much better than that. Um, but Rashid Walker was actually better in both categories at left tackle. He had a 73 pass blocking grade and a 76 run blocking grade. It's one of the better offensive line performances by anyone this year um, when you look at you know pass and run blocking. So Yash and Rashid both kind of check that box. At uh, left guard, again, we saw a little bit of Sean Ryan, mostly just running the ball. Um, but Sean Ryan did have a 76 pass blocking grade. Elton Jenkins had a 77 pass blocking grade, 64 run blocking, which again, I am personally fine with. If you are mid 60s run blocking and mid 70s pass blocking, that is perfectly adequate. He allowed one uh, hit on the game. Also, Rashid Walker, same thing, one hit. Uh, Josh Myers had a 58 pass blocking grade, not his best, certainly. He gave up a sack and a hurry, two pressures, and had a 64 run blocking grade, which is probably actually quite good for him as far as run blocking, which is kind of what we saw, a little bit of a uptick in run blocking. 
John Runyon, again, terrible, terrible, terrible. 29.9 pass blocking grade. He gave up two pressures, one sack, one hurry, but obviously got beat several times. His run blocking grade, though, was about a 60. It was a 59.3. So again, pretty better than what we've been seeing. And then finally, Zach Tom, 78.1 pass blocking grade, only gave up one hurry and a 60.6 run blocking grade. So as far as the run blocking, and again, it's not elite, but there was nothing really bad. Um, from right to left, 61, 59, 64, 64, and 76 were the run blocking grades, which is pretty fantastic. And then going back left to right, pass blocking, 73, 77, 58, 20, oh, 30, and then 78. So aside from John Runyon imploding, um, really solid pass blocking performance as well. So probably the best offensive line performance um, of the season would be my thought. As far as cohesion, as far as, you know, I mean, Zach Tom has had better games. Elton Jenkins, I think, has had a better game. We've, I'm sure we've seen David Bakhtiari do better at left tackle, but just as far as all five guys and how they did collectively, but also just seeing the cohesion between pass blocking and run blocking. Really, really impressive. Pass blocking in general, the only bad grade again was John Runyon. Josh Myers was rated about 60, but for everybody else, it was but basically a 70. Tucker Craft, 70. Uh, Yash Nyman, 71. Rasheed Walker, 73. Luke Musgrave was a 73. Sean Ryan, 76. Aaron Jones, 77. A.J. Dillon, 77. Elton Jenkins, 77. And Zach Tom, 78. And then again, even run blocking was actually quite solid. The only like bad run blocking grade was Jaden Reed, um, which, you know, whatever. And then uh, Musgrave was a 56. Watson was a 59. And John Runyon was a 59. Everything else was a 60 or higher. With the good grades coming in at Tucker Craft at a 68. Josiah DeGuara, 69, Yash Nyman, 74, Rashid Walker, 76, and Dontavian Wicks, 81 run blocking grade. And he did that eight different times if you're curious about sample size. That's going to get him some couple extra snaps next week, I bet. So, all right, that is the offense and the special teams. Again, I think there's a lot to be excited about. It was, you know, maybe not an elite performance, but it was a good performance, top to bottom. Left to right, just solid. I know the the penalties suck, right? It's that's not great, but um, yeah, I'm happy with it. We'll take a break. We'll come back and look at the defense, the grades, the stats, and we'll see where we're at after that point. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, who wants to talk about the defense again? A lot of good. Not a lot of bad, and that's all you could ever ask for. The two guys that graded out poorly, Kingsley and Igbare with a 49.7, and Devontae Wyatt with a 40.9. On the positive end of the spectrum, Lucas Van Ness with a 69, Preston Smith, 69, Keyshawn Nixon, 71, Jair, 75, Devondre Campbell, 76, Isaiah McDuffie, 78, Colby Wooden, 82, and Carrington Valentine with an 85. If that isn't the most poetic thing <laughs> in the history of the universe to have Razul Douglas get traded away and Carrington Valentine come in and fill in for him and be the highest graded defender on the team. A couple of things to note here, because I'm, I'm just going to dig in my heels a little bit. Razul Douglas had one game that was as high or higher than Carrington Valentine had in this game. Razul Douglas... Because again, there's a lot of revisionist history going on about him being like the only good player on this team. 
Do you know how many games he's graded out positively since week three? We're talking week four, five, seven, eight, and also nine with the Buffalo Bills. You know how many? One. He had a 91 grade against Las Vegas. Week four against Detroit, he had a 57 PFF grade. Week seven against Denver, 58. Week eight against Minnesota, he had a 47 PFF grade. And then week nine with Buffalo, he had a 66. Maybe part of the equation is that Razul Douglas just hasn't been playing very well. Because again, everybody, myself included, had the impression for some reason that Razul is the best player on this defense, one of the best players on this team. It's just not true. Four of his last five games have been bad. He has given up a, a, his last, let's see, five games with Green Bay. His passer rating when targeted was over 100. Since week three, it was 116, 139, 56, 146.5, and 118.8. In that span, he gave up three touchdowns, had uh, zero interceptions, and uh, three pass breakups. He had a 66 PFF grade with Buffalo. Uh, against Cincinnati. So his first three games were solid. 75, basically a 70, and then 76. After that, it was kind of bad. So again, good dude. Apparently he was very well liked in the locker room, like I'm guessing most of the people in the locker room are. But elite football player, the only guy showing up, the most consistent player, that's bull crap. <laughs> it's all crap. He's been kind of bad. So anyways, and again, Carrington Valentine, 85 which would be Razul Douglas's second highest game this entire year. Okie doke. Let's take a look at run. So one of the things I wanted to mention too, since we're going to start looking at run defense, um, I do think this is just speculation here. I think the Packers made it a concerted effort, not just schematically, but also as far as the coaching points to focus on run defense. The reason I say that is because the Pretty much the first week ever that Green Bay did a good job against the run was also the same week that suddenly we didn't see the production from the pass rush that we'd been seeing. We didn't see it from Rashawn. We didn't see it from Devontae Wyatt. We didn't see it really from anybody. Not saying it was bad, but the sacks certainly weren't there. And some of the guys that you kind of depend on weren't necessarily there. And one of the instances I remembered seeing this specifically was Lucas Van Ness. The first reason I thought that was because when Van Ness and Kingsley are out there, you kind of see that as, okay, that's your run defense package or whatever. But I remember him sort of half-heartedly rushing the pass, and then as soon as the ball was handed off, he completely backed off, sprinted to the middle of the field, kind of like in between the defensive line and linebacker, and made a tackle. He wasn't really pushing super hard to get to the quarterback he was mostly like let's just see how this guy i thought you were going to run that's what i thought you were going to and then boom stop the run i think the intention and the emphasis was stop the run because we don't think they can throw and i think it was successful with that said the two negative run defense grades came from carl brooks 47.7 and anthony johnson jr with a 41.5 otherwise it was average to good the good was devondre campbell 72 Jair Alexander, 74, Carrington Valentine, 76, Isaiah McDuffie, 77, and number one, Colby Wooden with a 79 run defense grade. Tackling was pretty solid across the board. The only two negatives were Kingsley and Igbare and Anthony Johnson. Pass rush had more negative than usual. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Preston Smith, Isaiah McDuffie, Kingsley and Igbare, Devondre Campbell, and Devontae Wyatt all below 60. They're in the 50s and Wyatt down in the 40s. 
the only two good pass rushing grades were Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Owens. Um, coverage was solid across the board. The lowest grade was a 60. Um, as far as guys that actually played in coverage, Jonathan Owens was the lowest graded with a 60.2. And then Keyshawn Nixon with a 70. From there, it goes up. Isaiah McDuffie, 70. Anthony Johnson, 70. Jair Alexander, 73. Devondre Campbell, 75. Carrington Valentine, 84. And the man, the myth, the mother flubbin legend, Preston Smith, with an 86.3 coverage grade. The last two weeks, his coverage grade has been 90.5 and 86.3 on the season. 25 snaps in coverage. He has a 70.3 coverage grade. He has a pass breakup in each of the last two games. So, boom goes the dynamite. As far as the pressures, Rashawn Gary still dominated the night. He had five pressures on 25 attempts. So he's still sitting at 20%. Didn't get any sacks, but... He is an absolute monster. After that, you had Lucas Van Ness with two pressures on 11 attempts, which is great. Carl Brooks had two pressures on 19 attempts, which is adequate. Kobe Wooden, one pressure, seven attempts. Kingsley, one pressure, 10 attempts. Devontae Wyatt, one pressure, 23 attempts, which is unfortunate. He actually had the second most pressure opportunities. So coaching staff doing a good job of identifying people's strengths and weaknesses and giving them a chance, but Wyatt just was not able to pull through, which is unfortunate because, again, really bad offensive line. Really would have liked to uh, see him kind of explode a little bit, but everybody's allowed to have one day. That's your day. No more now. Uh, Jonathan Owens and Devondre Campbell each uh, got a pressure. Owens managed to do it with zero attempts, and Devondre won on um, five attempts. Then you had Isaiah McDuffie, five attempts and zero pressures, and TJ Slayton, um had 18 attempts and zero pressures. Preston Smith, 20 attempts and zero pressures. So pretty brutal for Preston and uh, TJ Slayton, although you don't necessarily expect much from Slayton on that front. Preston's got to do a little better than that. The one sack of the day came from the guy that didn't pressure at all, and that was Jonathan Owens. Uh, We had two batted passes, both of those from Carl Brooks. Only two missed tackles in this game, which is fantastic. That has to be the lowest of the year. And as I've said before, I've never in my life seen a good defense that was bad at tackling. If you cannot figure out the tackling, then you don't have the fundamentals and you are just a, uh, I can't think of the word, but what do you know what I'm saying? Discipline. That's the one. Kingsley and Igbare and Anthony Johnson, the only two with uh, missed tackles. Bunch of stops on the play, which again is a tackle that is a negative play for the offense. Isaiah McDuffie and Keyshawn Nixon with four. Jair with three, Lucas Van Ness and Devondre Campbell with two, and then Colby Wooden, Kingsley Nigbari, Carl Brooks, Jonathan Owens, Carrington Valentine, Eric Wilson, and Preston Smith each had one. 22 total pressure uh, stops. One forced fumble was from Jonathan Owens. And then when we get to coverage, Jair Alexander was the most targeted. 10 targets, six receptions for 64 yards and three pass breakups. Carrington Valentine, freaking unbelievable. Eight targets. One reception for 14 yards and two pass breakups. Keyshawn Nixon, three targets, three receptions, 24 yards. Devondre Campbell, two targets, one reception, eight yards. Kingsley and Igbari, one target, one reception, 15 yards. Jonathan Owens, one target, one reception, five yards. And then, of course, Preston Smith, zero targets, zero receptions, zero yards, but a pass breakup. So 
As far as passer rating when targeted, Kingsley was the lowest, then Keyshawn with a exactly 100 passer rating, then Jonathan Owens 87.5, Jair Alexander 78.8, Devondre Campbell 60.4, and Carrington Valentine 39.6. Also, Anthony Johnson um, was not targeted in this game, and he also had one pick, one pass breakup, so that's obviously a zero passer rating. Isaiah McDuffie was in coverage 27 times and was not targeted. Uh, Levitt and Innes Gaines each had one with no targets. Eric Wilson, four coverage snaps with no targets. Preston Smith, five coverage snaps, no targets. It's worth, I don't usually mention that, but it is worth mentioning when you got guys, especially guys like Anthony Johnson and, and Isaiah McDuffie, if you're in coverage 36 times or McDuffie 27 times and you don't get attacked once, I mean, it could just be a schematic thing, but that's that's pretty solid. Penalties, we had three of them. Two of them were Rashawn Gary. One is Devontae Wyatt. And that's about it, folks. Take our final break, and we'll be right back. So as it stands right now, where are we sitting? Um, As a team, PFF has the Green Bay Packers overall sitting at um, the 19th ranked team. 76 PFF grade, 67.4 offensively, 75.7 defensively, which ranks ninth. So PFF really does like the defense. DVOA not as much, although it's a new week. DVOA has the Green Bay Packers ranked as the 22nd team. Offensively, they have the Packers ranked 21st, defensively 22nd. So the, the offense did catch up to the defense. That is to say the defense got marginally better and the offense continues to plummet. And so now we are just about dead even sitting there. Even worse than that, special teams, um, despite a couple good returns, the missed field goal probably didn't help much, but 28th is where the special teams ranked. So, I mean, you, you can take that a couple different ways. You can look at it and go, dude, we still have the seventh pick in the draft, 21st offense, 22nd defense, 28th special teams. This team is trash. Or you can say yes, but that is looking at the entire season. And if you just looked at this past week, it was much more impressive. And if that continues, then maybe we got a shot at something. In fact, if you look at DVOA by week, week nine, the Green Bay Packers ranked as the third best team. Now, I am certainly not going to make the case that the Packers are the third best team in football. However, this is the first week since week two that the Packers had a positive PFF grade. This is also more than twice as good as their best game. So, you know, when I said, and I I don't know if you guys agree or not, but when I said this felt like their best game, felt like Jordan's best game, felt like the most complete game, the DVOA aspect of this massively agrees. And remember, DVOA does take into account who the Rams are. Now, maybe maybe not necessarily the fact that they lost their quarterback, but it's massive. We go from week, week to week. And remember, when it's positive, that's how much better than your average team. Negative is how much worse than your average team. So positive, 20.2 in week one. So when we beat the Bears, it was 20% better than your typical team. That ranked as the one, two, three, four, five, five, eighth best team. Week two wasn't quite as good, but still positive, 10.4%. Then it just started going downhill. Negative 8.7 in week three. Negative 45.6 in week four. Negative 26, then a bye week. And then this past week was our, uh, excuse me, week seven coming out of the bye was the worst game, which was negative 47.7. So we're talking almost 50% worse than just your run-of-the-mill average team. Completely awful. It was the sixth worst team that week. 
you know, again, that's why you watch the games and you start to say this team is awful. I don't know that we're much better than any other team in football right now, which was true. I mean, the way that they were playing, you know, I say statistically, but based on DVOA, it was one of the worst teams. And there are very few teams that you feel like you could actually beat. Especially since it's been negative for three weeks in a row. You come out of the bye expecting maybe there's a turnaround, maybe they figure some stuff out, and you have your worst game of the year. And then the next week is the third worst game at negative 36.5. Again, just absolutely horrific. One of the, let's see, like the fourth, fifth, sixth worst game somewhere of, of that week. So continuing to be a bottom five team two weeks in a row. But then you come out this week, and again, I, I don't necessarily expect to stay here. I'm just happy with the performance, and I think everybody should be. Being the third best team and almost 60%, but I mean, this is this game was better than any other game was bad. In other words, if you took the best game and the worst game and combined them, overall it would be positive, which I don't even know if I would go that far as far as how I feel about it. I'm just telling you based on this. Negative 47.7 is the worst. 57.9 was the best. And again, only two teams had a better performance, according to DVOA. Now, if you break that down offensively and defensively, the Green Bay Packers offense ranked 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, they don't number it, 7, 8, 9th with 11.5%, which was the second best performance after week 2, which was 29.4%. If you look defensively, third best, 47.8%. Only Baltimore and Cleveland had a better defensive performance. If you break it down even further, passing offense, it was a positive 46.1%. Again, only week two was better. Week two is 86.5. That's wild. In fact, passing offense has been positive most of the weeks. I mean, week one, week two, week three, then it was negative, negative by, and then week seven was positive, almost 25%. Week eight was negative seven, and then this week, positive 46%. The rushing offense has been terrible pretty much every single week. In fact, it's literally every single week. Negative 21, negative 12, negative 27, negative 45, negative 8, negative 16, negative 32, and negative 41. Now, granted, most of the time, it's negative for most teams. I mean, Carolina and Las Vegas, like every single week. Dallas, almost every single week. So, I mean, running the ball is just generally negative production. But still, to not have one week kind of sucks. Pass defense, it was the third best team this week. However, that was the only positive week the entire year where coverage was, uh, defense is supposed to be negative. So negative 43.7. So you, that, that you're four, you know, 44% better. Every other week, though, positive 20.8, 3.5, 11.7, 8.8, 62.1, and 49.9. The last two weeks in particular, this has to be one of the worst coverage teams in football. I mean, that's bad. And then run defense, again, this week, and that's it's, it's actually been great at positive, but again, run defense, when they run, it's generally negative anyways, which also kind of goes to the point of how important is run defense. You're one of the worst run defense teams, and they've been positive. In other words, they've done a good job according to the value that they've prevented. Uh, 51% this week, negative uh, 19, negative 6, negative 17, negative 31. They've only had three games where rushing against us was a positive DVOA. Week two, week four, and week five. So even though we're not able to stop the run, that doesn't necessarily even mean that they're producing positive results all the time. Which again, it's just the more you look at this, it's like, man, the running just is not, it's not what matters. I know it matters to some degree, but it's just, 
it's not producing. Finally, um, looking at Jordan Love a little bit closer, um, one of the big things that started off this whole season, and again, I don't know how important this is. There seems to be a general correlation, uh, you know, better quarterbacks, top right, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, EPA per play versus completion percentage over expected. And the reason it was so weird is nobody was higher than Jordan Love in EPA per play, and almost nobody was lower than completion percentage over expected. This week, however, Jordan Love is right on that line, um, and he is way up near the top and near the front. It was a really solid week. And just based on this particular chart, um, you've got Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, and Jordan Love. Those are sort of the four that are clumped up way up near the top. Jordan Love is probably the worst of that four, but that's he was way out in front. So again, I still have concerns, obviously. But if this is the version of Jordan Love, we might be okay. Maybe. But we got to see it next week. Jordan Love had a positive 2.6 EPA per play. But next week is going to be sort of the ultimate test because the Steelers really do have a solid um, defense. It's not, you know, it's not the number one defense, but it is significantly better than what you saw with the Rams. Right now, based on DVOA, it is the number seven ranked defense. And it is better than every team that we've played so far. Now, Detroit is number eight, so it's kind of in that realm. Saints are number nine. But, you know, you look at the pass rushers. I don't know that there's a better pass rush duo right now with the guys off the edge. And so that'll be a really big test. If, you know, and again, my sights are on Jordan. If you got your sights somewhere else, fine. But if Jordan can navigate that with the pressure and stay composed and, and find the open guys and take advantage of what's there, you know, I, I really would rather not see a wide open Christian Watson in the end zone getting underthrown again and thrown late. So it ends up getting broken up. I mean, if we got guys walking into the end zone, just get it there, man. That's way too important to, to whoops-a-daisy. You know, Matt LaFleur made the comment, this is from Ryan Wood. He says he asked about uh, what adjustments Jordan Love needs to make to start connecting on those go balls. And Matt LaFleur said, I just think he needs to shut his mind off and let it rip. I think a lot of times when you try to aim something or guide it, you're not going to be as successful. I've seen several people make that comment. I have no idea, but a lot of people have mentioned the guy just seems to be thinking way too much. Just go play. And it feels like that's how Jordan used to play. And I think he got really flustered at some point. He used to just be like a robot. He was a machine. And that's what I loved about him. It was just, it was just simple. The game was just easy. This guy comes up and boom, the ball's already there. Like it was just ding, 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 all the way down. And that's, that was what was going to make him work in this offense. Because the offense is all just about the scheme, it's about rhythm, it's about timing, and he was just a freaking machine, and now it just seems like he's flustered, and he, he doesn't know where to go, and he's trying to make plays like, like you know, that's what he did back in college. There was things are breaking down, I, and that's what, George, that's what Aaron Rodgers did. Uh-oh, things are going bad, I gotta make this crazy play. Like, no, dude, just relax. Just relax. Stay within the structure. Calm down. Slow down. Because if we can get that Jordan Love back, I think we're good. I think we're golden. We, we built some momentum here. And again, I'll say what I said last week. Last week, I said either beat them convincingly or don't bother. Same thing here. You built some momentum, right? Great. Hit the gas and go. If you're not going to do that and you're just going to fall asleep again, then just give it up. And we'll find a new quarterback and we'll figure out what to do. We'll, we'll get a new number one wide receiver. Maybe we'll get a new coach. I don't know. We'll figure all that out. But this is a big moment. There was a lot of momentum there. We got to see. I got to see the defense continue that. And I need to see the offense in the first half of a football game, period. 
I, I noted it. It was it was midway through the third quarter when you started to see Jordan pick it up. You can't do that. But we have everything we need, right? I mean, I I would like to get back to the the place we were. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll I'll take a top pick. You want to just suck? Give me the top pick. I love the draft. We haven't had a top pick in a while. It's going to be great. You know, whatever. That's fine. Um, <laughs> scrolling through social media is dangerous. See the most random stuff just popping up. I'm trying to do the podcast, and this video just keeps looping. Like, get out of my face. But all I, I all I'm saying is pick a direction, because I, I I honestly no, I don't really have faith. I I do think that the fact that it was the Rams gave them the opportunity to kind of get into a rhythm, and that's great. But you have to be a team that comes out ready to rock and roll on that first drive. You have to be a team that at some point is going to go up and and just steal 14 points real early because it's going to be a grind. You know, they're going to start to figure you out. They're going to start to generate pressure and all this stuff. We got to just be a team that can just fly down the field. And the defense needs to be stingy, needs to be fast, needs to be physical. And we got the pieces to do it. We got a guy by the name of Carrington Valentine who decided to step up and be the best player on our defense his first week out there. So we need guys like Jair. We need guys like Rashawn. We need guys like Devondre to step up and say, hey, if you're going to do your job, if you're going to manage as a seventh-round rookie, and you're you're going to hold it down, I'm going to hold it down. You do your part, I'll do my, my part, and we're going to tear this up. TJ Slayton holding it down in the run game. Devontae Wyatt getting the pressure. Brooks and Wooden continuing to grow. You know, the receivers, you have to catch it, period. Catch it, catch it, catch it. Jones, catch it. Musgrave, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, catch it. And then stop the penalties. I mean, I, it's kind of a big list, but it's, it's what you need to do. Again, I think what everybody is afraid of is landing somewhere in the middle. Is it a good team? No, they suck. Did they lose a bunch of games? Not really. They won eight. They won nine. They missed the playoffs. You don't feel good about the team, and you're, you got a middling pick that's not going to really, I mean, could potentially help you a lot. Probably not much. We'll end up getting a tackle who will marginally upgrade the offensive line, even if he's really good. And maybe we'll get a, a little tool here or there, but eh, pick a path. I would love to either end the season as, dude, this team figured it out, and you better watch out in 2024. Or remember in that Rams game, we thought they were actually good. We were so stupid. Anyways, about that draft pick. Again, I'm fine with either, but pick one. So again, this week we're Packer fans. This week we beat the Steelers. It's going to be great, and uh, we will assess after the fact. But we'll start diving into that a little bit uh, starting tomorrow. Again, I, I think that the major theme here is that it it really was a good game. It wasn't perfect. You still had penalties. You still had you know mistakes by the receivers. You still had mistakes from Jordan. You still had some mistakes on defense. Not many, but there were some. Always things to be cleaned up. But Rams or no Rams, that was a solid performance. So, again, on to the Steelers, and it's time to to put on your big boy pants. You know what I mean? It's time to go from, hey, we don't suck, to, dude, that was that was crazy. I wanted to start to feel a little bit more like Miami when you got, you know, Christian Watson rocking and rolling. That's what um, JJ was talking about on the stream the other day. You get Jordan and JJ, uh, Jordan and JJ, Jordan and Christian to feel like Tua and Tyreek, where it's like, holy crap, this is scary. That's when you've hit that next level. When you really have to worry and game plan about it, because if you don't, that's automatic. 
we're stealing that. If he gets behind you, that ball's going to hit hit Christian, and he's going to take it to the house. When that becomes a really serious threat, it is lights out. But they've got to get it figured out. You open that up. You open it up for Musgrave. You send him down the field. You got Reed coming across the front. I mean, it's just we've got it, man. We've got the freaking pieces. We've got the ta- it's there. Jordan has it. Christian has it. Dobbs has has what? I don't know. I'm not talking about number one wide receiver. I'm just saying they're really good. We've seen the peak. We've seen the upside. We know what they can do. And I know what Matt LaFleur can do with that. And I know what Jordan can do to manipulate that and understand the the offense. Just do it or you're going to lose your jobs. Jordan, you're going to lose your job, man. Keep your foot on the gas or next year you will be a backup for some other team. Anyways, again, on to the Steelers. I'm going to leave it there. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.